give them some purpose, unlimited vacation time, free food, and bean bags, and you're good to go. Yet, why are workers still unhappy and disengaged? 40% of workers say they're likely to leave their current job in the next three to six months. The voluntary quit rate is the highest it's ever been since pre-pandemic levels. This week, as we ramp back up in August, I know some of y'all are still at the beach and I'm jealous. I'm adding in some of my personal reflections about venture and business in line with deconstructing next generation trends and the billion dollar moves of unicorn founders and funders across the globe so that you can lead, build and invest better. This was an extract of my article that I wrote for The Hustle where I explore a question I get asked pretty often, guys. What exactly does the next generation workforce want from me? So buckle up. Yes, there's been a lot written about the future of work in recent years, partially spurred by the pandemic. But I'm here to present sort of the next generation view beyond the trend of a more remote workforce, building a work environment that not just works, but also inspires. The next generation is top of mind, frankly, for many of the senior executives I've spoken to in the last few months, right here on Billion Dollar Moves, from CEO of the Lego Group to the founder of global employment platform, GP. Now, often I get asked this question with a hint of frustration as the youngest leader in the room. What exactly does the next generation workforce want from me? as a leader. Now let's start first with why this matters now. This question is increasingly important. We're in the midst of an enormous generational shift, one that is shaped by technological advancements from social media to ChatGPT. And according to Gallup, Gen Z and millennials now make up nearly half, 46% of the full-time US workforce and market research from McCrindle expects Gen Z to make up 27% of the workforce by 2025. Great leaders understand that each generation generation demands a different type of leadership. Against the backdrop of what McKinsey calls the great renegotiation, coupled with an uncertain economic outlook, what this looks like is increasingly complex. A purpose and values-driven generation. Now, this may seem a belabored point, but one that's often poorly understood by leaders, guys. The joke that I've been told and I've heard within boardrooms is, you know what, we'll just give them some sort of big purpose, give them unlimited vacation time, free food and bean bags. And yet, why are workers still unhappy and disengaged? Contrary to the negative connotation of the next generation being entitled, they are in fact, I argue, a purposeful and values-driven generation on purpose. While the majority of the baby boomer generation, our parents, most of us, were focused on putting food on the table and did not necessarily equate their purpose with their job, the next generation was, yes, brought up in a more privileged position. And so many sought and seek meaning within their careers. With, if you think about it, the thesis of Simon Sinek, start with why, to Sheryl Sandberg's leaning into your career, deeply ingrained in their psyche. The COVID pandemic further led workers to reevaluate what they want from a job and from life, creating a large pool of workers who are shunning the traditionalist path of merely seeking compensation, titles, and advancement opportunities. While those elements, of course, are still important, what stands out is the deep desire for the next generation to find a place where they are empowered to deliver impact beyond profits and develop a sense of belonging. This means to me that besides a place to work and execute on orders, the next generation is also searching for a sense of 
ownership. Now, at this point, I want to bring up a comment that business psychologist and my podcast sibling, Leanne Elliott, brought up that ownership suggests control. And she suggests that people really want autonomy and to feel a sense of belonging. And I agree, uh, but I also want to suggest that to me, ownership is about accountability. And it's hard to, of course, if you're more junior in the organization to truly have control, but having accountability for a certain section, a certain project is something that we all can assign to our team members and create that sense of ownership as well. Now, a great example, actually, that I've seen is in Gusto, a software payroll company. And this was actually highlighted to me by our former guest, Kathy. Kathy Gao, a venture capitalist now who works with Sapphire, but was a former Gusto employee. And she shared that the company baked in an ownership and empowerment mentality from day one. Josh Reeves, CEO and co-founder of Gusto Shares, the most coveted employees in all industries are quote-unquote owners who go above and beyond what's expected because they take pride in their work and they're empowered to do their best. While equity can represent the financial reward for taking a risk and joining your venture, owners truly crave the responsibilities and autonomy of building something from scratch. Now, one way he has implemented the ownership mentality is to remove the traditional buck stops here model of leadership that tends to make everyone pass the buck because only those at the top are responsible. But opening up opportunities for everyone to own their projects encourages them to take responsibility for their success and yes, their failure. Now, transparency and clear communication is also core to this strategy. And this is what Josh says, during our monthly all-hands meetings, we share extremely detailed information about the company's growth, finances, and future plans. Though these numbers are typically kept closer to heart, to the chest, opening access to dashboards and shared reports actually allows everyone to be true owners. On values. Now, in the wake of George Floyd and Asian hate, we saw companies rush to declare their solidarity with the communities affected. It was clear that all stakeholders were watching and still continue to do so. While a generation ago, it was standard practice to keep non-work related issues out of work. Today, I argue it is actually virtually impossible to separate the two. This is especially as boundaries between work and personal time are blurred with hybrid work and employees are actually encouraged to bring their whole selves to work, which by the way, includes their backgrounds and belief systems. An inclusive brand strategist, again, another podcast sibling, Sonia Thompson on inclusive marketing, says Gen Zs are the most diverse population and have very different values in terms of expectations of diversity, equity, inclusion, and yes, belonging. As such, leaders who fail to demonstrate their values will risk losing not just their workforce, but also their customers. All right, so you asked me now, what can leaders do today? Well, I'm hopeful you've got your iPad, your notes app out on your phone because I've got some suggestions. And yes, this not only comes from me, but is also extracted from learnings that we've had on the show. Number one, create opportunities for empowerment in your organization. People leave because of bad leaders is a reality that rings true across generations. But what's clear is that the next generation has different priorities and expectations. As Sylvia, former managing director of Unilever, tells me on that Davos episode and Yes, everything will be linked in the show notes. Leaders need to figure out how they need to adjust. You need to be open to listen to your team so you can actually serve your teams in the best way. A few questions that I've found helpful as I've seen implemented by our partner funds and the portfolio companies are the following. 
What structures can be removed to provide empowerment to your team members? How can you hold space for each team member to succeed and fail? And how can you better align your employees' purpose with their roles and responsibilities? Suggest develop a mechanism to address values-related issues. Now, it's common that we have an employee handbook with our value systems, mission statements, so on and so forth. But think about a values guidebook and importantly, communicating to your stakeholders clearly. And after the Silicon Valley Bank downfall? Can we say enough about the importance of thoughtful communications? Now, some questions I found helpful as I've seen again implemented by our partner funds and their portfolio companies are the following. What are our core values that we stand for as a company? How is this clear to our stakeholders? How can we design for inclusivity? Are there values that need to be updated as we move along? How can we hold space for each team member to be able to voice their concerns? Now, this is of course harder that it seems in practice and I really recommend tuning in to how the global CEO of Deloitte, Lego and Henry Schein debated this topic when I posed the question in Davos this year. All right, there you have it. This week's Billion Dollar Byte. I hope that was helpful. And for more on how to lead, invest and build better, join me weekly as I deconstruct the billion dollar moves of world-class funders and founders. In the meantime, if this was your first episode you're tuning into, my name is Sarah Chen Spellings and it was a joy to have you tuning in. Do share this with a friend and yes, leave me a review. Drop me a note on Sarah Chen Global on Instagram if you want to reach out and have suggestions. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the summer. Take a little bit of a breather. I'm going to try Try to do the same and keep making billion dollar moves.